There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on man. Where are you all at right now? Stop, listen, tune in. We're going to talk about the conscious journey of my man, Xavier, coming in from Montreal. Now, if you haven't already heard the 53 stories previous to this, please listen in. This is a very important message for any lady or man out there because a lot of ladies are listening to this just as much on how to go from unconscious to conscious and find more fulfillment more empowerment within yourself and more wholeness in your heart but without further ado Xavier thank you for joining me brother thank you for having me my friend like thank you so much Lukavik and it's a deep honor for me to be here because I know how um especially men right now need support in the awakening process mm. and how it is sometimes a very lonely journey for men mm-hmm. because we have that tendency not to be willing to ask for help or not to be willing to get support, you know, mm. um, part of the pride that often men feel. Mm. And it's just an honor for me to be here and share part of my journey and hopefully it, impi- it inspires somebody out there. Beautiful, man. I appreciate that. Where, where did you yeah. grow up, Xavier, and where do you live now? Well, I grew up in Cameroon, which is in which is part of Central Africa, and I grew up there until I was um, 24. And right now I've been living in Montreal for over seven years. Mm-hmm. And ideally I came here, I came here first to actually um, pursue a PhD program in economics. Wow. And I dropped out after... Um, two years in the program because I had my kind of breakdown dark night of the soul moment or awakening moment back then and this is what put me on the path that I'm on right now wow that's incredible bro so we're just talking before this you your first language is French so in Cameroon the, the native language is French there right well there are both there are English and French just like Canada and I grew up in the Francophone part of the country. So I learned French first and I learned English is something that I learned in school. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. So incredible, man. Yeah. And how old are you now? Now I'm 31. Cool. Beautiful. Fresh. Yeah. I'm, I'm 30. 31 now. We're, we're just yeah. getting started. Absolutely. This is just <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> and what are, you, the beginning. what are you doing for a living now? You're obviously not doing economics. Not anymore. Not anymore. Right now, I'm a full-time um, transformational life coach. I'm a trauma-informed uh, transformational life coach. That's what I do full-time for a living now. Mm. And I basically feel, I basically help people lead their, heart, lead their lives from their hearts and not from their wounds. Mm. This is what I do every day with people. It's beautiful, so, yeah. bro. It's but, beautiful, man. I love it. What a shift. I'm interested to yeah. hear how you went from that to that. So we'll get into that in a bit. Such a difference. Oh, yeah, such a was, contrast, yeah? Absolutely huge wow. contrast. Huge. Wow. What's yeah. one thing you're really good at, Xavier? Like one thing I think I'm really good at right now, I can sit with people when they are going through hell mm. and just sit with them. I think this has always been, even when I was younger, something mm -hmm. that I was capable of doing. And now I see the value in the work that I'm doing right now. Beautiful, brother. Beautiful. What a gift. What's your, what about your biggest yeah. fear? What's that? What's your biggest fear right now? Well, mm, my biggest fear at the moment, there is still a part, there is a part of, you know, the potential of what I can be that sometimes feels um, frightening, mm. you know, um, just like Marianne Williamson said, you know, our biggest fear is not that we are inadequate, it's that we are powerful beyond measure. And sometimes I get a glimpse of like possibility. I'm like, <sighs> you know, like, is this really possible? Mm. And sometimes that freaks me out. And at the moment, I'm also a father of two. And, you know, um, I would say not being able to give them my very best and to be the, ex the very best example that I can be for them is also one of my biggest fears. But at the same time, it's one of my biggest motivations. Yeah, to be the best you possibly can for them. Yeah. Amazing, man. So when that fear, when you talk about that fear of like your power, are you... Can you see the potential that you your path has laid out for you and it's like you're not going to meet that potential? You know, it's just like there is there is there is part of it that feels unsafe. Like, can you really be all of that? Mm. You know, just like you picture that. And sometimes there's that, I would say, ego saboteur within ourselves that's like, who do you think you are to believe that you can do that? Mm. Who do you think you are to believe that you can manifest that? Who do you mm. think you are to believe that you are worthy of that? Mm. And sometimes it kicks in. But yeah. right now I got even more practice at working with it. And I'm at a place where I surrendered even more, where I'm willing to take action regardless. But it would, be, it would be lying to say that sometimes it doesn't, you know, creep in. It would be yeah. lying. I totally resonate, bro. It's just... Do you feel like you need to just, you know, like you said, surrender and have that courage to move into that that uncomfortable feeling? Because you know from your Absolutely. heart, it's like you're, you're, you're coming from your heart. Uh, um, there's something, it caught a little bit, so I, I missed the, the last part. Do you feel like it's like you're, because you're leading from your heart, you're able to have that courage and you're just able to sort of push aside that fear? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not pushing aside the fear. Um, that's the first thing. And this is something that we get trained a lot into. And um, in my honest opinion, um, that is the, the best way to maintain the fear. Now, pushing it away is the best way to maintain the fear. That has been my experience. So every time it happens, my process is really to dive into it mm. and to ask myself, what if I screwed it up, all of it? What if I completely screwed it up? And what if that potential is something that um, I just messed up completely? Mm. And can I be accepting of that possibility? Mm. And whenever I get to that point of like full acceptance with the possibility of screwing up this potential, I always feel a little bit more empowered. Love it. I'm like, okay, let's go. If there is no point, let's just let's fully go. Let's it, do it. I like that perspective yeah. too. It's really interesting. It's uh, opened my awareness to that even more now. It's like, yeah, it's just leaning in. It's not pushing aside. It's leaning in. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely it. That's yeah. how I deal with that fear now. Beautiful, brother. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote. Whew. That one. Hmm. <laughs> There's really none that comes to mind right now, but I know there are a few that are <laughs> there, 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 there's really none that comes up like clear to mind right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the past, I used to, I used to think it was you rise by lifting others. Mm. And lately I changed my mind. And right now what resonates for me is you rise by prioritizing your own needs mm. and filling your own cup so that when you happen to help others, you do it from a place of, you know, abundance Force. rather than a place mm. of scarcity rather than a place of self-sacrifice so right now this is what resonates the most with me i love it bro yeah totally man fill your cup first what's yeah. what's a conscious man to you xavier a conscious man to me is a man that is first willing to be aware willing to be aware of himself meaning all the parts of himself willing to face his patterns his reactions and willing to question them you know, with open heart. Mm. And a conscious man for me is somebody that is willing to be present for himself first. Mm. Because presence, unconditional presence, is one of the most powerful attributes of masculine energy in balance. Mm. So a conscious man for me is a man that is willing to open his eyes to everything that is going on within him, whether it be emotional and willing to accept that or mental and also willing to accept that, you know, that mm -hmm. to me, the gift of presence and awareness and being willing to hold space for self mm -hmm. to me, I think, I, I think is the greatest asset of a conscious man. Mm -hmm. And usually men struggle with relationships and with their own emotions because they, have been untrained to be present with that part not only the mental side because we are good here we are able to sometimes really quickly analyze but sometimes we are not just willing to see and become aware of what is going on within 
emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I love it. I love it. What's one thing that challenges you right now? Oh, definitely one thing that's challenging right me right now is parenting. Because I have two uh I have two we have two uh kids under two. And um, you know, um we are living at home. We are both running a business, me and my fiance. So navigating all of that and being fully present with the kids at the same time, that is definitely the biggest challenge in my life at the moment. Mm-hmm. So much respect yeah. for you, brother. I um, take you. my hat off to all the parents out there, especially working so hard. And like, yeah, that must be an incredible challenge. But it's the practice, yeah. man. It's just, it's, that's the spiritual practice, isn't it? Right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So right now, my let's say my own my own magic i am invited to apply that on myself more than yeah. ever before yeah absolutely brother. yeah that's a true more leader, than man. ever before true leader yeah awesome what, yeah. what's unconditional love mean to you who unconditional love to me means unconditional acceptance mm. acceptance of the good and the bad within yourself letting the pain be as valid as the joy letting the suffering be as valid as the optimism, the faith, and all of the happiness. To me, that is really unconditional love. Mm. Letting all of that be equally valid, letting all of that be equal, equally, you know, worthy parts of you. Yeah. Like just showering all of your being with acceptance. Yeah. To me, acceptance is love. Yeah. And unconditional acceptance is unconditional love are you willing to accept of yourself even when you are in the anger are you willing to accept of yourself even when you are sad are you willing to accept of yourself you know when you are joyful Mm. the same way that you are willing to accept of yourself when you are in pain Mm. to me that is unconditional love it's the master of yourself man for sure i love it yeah do you believe in a greater power bro and what is that to you Oh, absolutely. I believe in a greater <laughs> I believe in a greater power. I was born in a Christian family, but I'm not religious. I don't identify as religious right now. Um, I would say I'm highly spiritual and I I see human beings like spiritual beings having a human experience, you know. And we are all made of that source, whether people call it God or you know, universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. I believe we are all unique expressions of that mm-hmm. source, you know, and we chose to have this human experience. And I believe that in all times, as much as we are human, that others, that counterpart of us that is also spirit is always jur- going with us through this journey. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that greater power is within and always here, always available, always listening, always willing to help. And the only thing that it needs is us giving permission. How do you connect to that on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I meditate. Mm. That's It has been my practice for, you know, seven years minimum consistently. Some, Of course, we always have the weeks and the days where we fall off and stuff like that. But this has been my go-to. Yeah, you know, this has been something. This has been a pillar of my spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. meditation. You know, more than anything else. Wow, 
Beautiful. Do you meditate on guided meditations or are you meditating like a Vipassana style or like from your heart? Like what, what, what are you I've, doing? I've tried. I've tried so many uh, modalities of meditation so many over the years. Right now at the moment, it has become a very personal experience. Like I don't do any guided meditations anymore. It is just a um, journey with self. Like I just put some sort of like um, calming music and I just tune in. I focus on my breath and I just tune in. This is all I do for 15, 20 minutes, sometimes a little bit more when I have that time. Um, but that's all I do. I just tune in and I listen. Love it, brother. Amazing. Now let's get into your conscious journey now, Xavier. The first question is, explain the difference between you in that unwoke, unconscious life and how that compares yeah. to you now. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> because in that in that unconscious path is, you know, I, I have the typical African, um, I had the typical African mindset, basically, um, well, it's not just African, it's also everywhere else, because we, we especially had, at least in my family, the mindset of go to school, get the highest degree that you can possibly can. The, get the best job that you can possibly can take care of your family and die that's it you know that was a mindset so i wanted to excel in that this is the reason why i you know most of my life i was a student yeah most of my life i was studying you know most of my life that's what i did so i got the master's degree you know in statistics and economics and then i came to Montreal to have the to do the PhD in economics and it was a scholarship so um, that was all I wanted mm -hmm. at some point in my life I just wanted to degree I wanted to work in like to have a job that would pay me well and I, would, mm -hmm. I could take care of my family but at some point something changed you know it's let's say it was 2013 more 2014 or part of me was just like I had that awakening and a part of me was like, when are you going to stop playing games with me? Basically, this is what was coming up oh. for myself. And I went through that phase of searching. Now, the difference between where I was then and who I am right now, what matters more to me is alignment more than anything else. Alignment with that voice and letting that voice be spoken through me and letting it help people in the ways that match who I am today. So right now I am more about just sharing, honestly sharing what is coming up for me, who I am and helping people make a shift in their own lives at the deepest level I possibly can, mm. you know, so that they can actually live the life they want for themselves. So that's mm. what is coming up for me. Mm. Wow, incredible, man. So when you were striving for all of this, Obviously, how did, how was it like? What were the signs now looking back that you weren't in alignment? Oh, the signs looking back that I wasn't in alignment. There were so many because I had I had so many passions that I just shut down along the way because I needed to focus on school. Mm. At some point, I remember when I was five, telling my mom I want to be a priest. Whoa. And then she was like, really? 
And I was like, yes. And then I got introduced to religion. I was like, I hate religion. I still want to help people though, but it's not going to be this way, mm. you know? So we had that battle with family all my life because I didn't want to go to church and they are highly, you know, they are, they are Christians, Christians, the kind mm. that prays every day that goes to church every Sunday. This is my family. So I was a little bit of the black sheep there. So that was already a sign. So there, I, at the same time, I wanted to be the good student, but there was a lot of rebellion against traditional ways. There was a lot of rebellions against how things work in society. Mm-hmm. And this was already a sign that there's something within me that was just like, there is more to it. There is more mm-hmm. to this human journey. There is more to this experience that you are going through right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So interesting when when i decided to basically shift what came up for me was i need to find out what it looks like for myself i knew i wanted to help people that was a deep desire for me and even when i was even when i was still in the masters and the phd in economics i was the guy that would spend extra time to help my classmates like okay, why don't you get it? What is the problem? Let me help you um, understand it. Let me help you with the homework. I was the tutor for many people. I was always there trying to explain to people how things are working here. So I did that a lot. And when looking back, that was also a sign of what I was called to do later. The natural teacher. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So how do you know when you're in alignment now? Like, do you have a feeling in the body? Oh, I absolutely have a feeling in the body and the feeling is like, I feel like my heart is swelling. Yeah. Literally, physically, I feel it. My heart is swelling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how I know this is an alignment. And I also feel sometimes I get tremendously freaked out. What's that? And sometimes when I'm in alignment and when I'm invited to actually shift you know, I can feel very unsafe. And when I feel that, I know that it's only because I'm called to expand even more. I'm called mm-hmm. to stretch even more. And then I know there is something there. You know, I'm not talking about those rational fears like, okay, if I do that, I'm going to cut my hand or I'm going to lose my finger. Like this is extremely dangerous for my safety. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about those irrational things that there's a part of you that is just activated. You don't even understand what is going on. Mm. And when it happens, I know that this is a shadow within me mm. that just feels unsafe about what I'm going to create here. Mm-hmm. And it means that expansion is ahead. Expansion is coming and I'm invited Ooh. to lean in. Oh man, I love that. That's so awesome, bro. What through that period, say, you, you know, the, the unwork period, the striving, you're, you're going for success, you're going for the highest, you know, the best job. What was your biggest vice, Xavier? My biggest vice? Whew, there were so many. Um, I want to say I had a huge addiction to porn at the moment then that I could say was my biggest vice. Because I was suppressing a lot of my emotions that were calling me out of that path. I was suppressing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And every time, you know, the emotional part, you know, we are we are these human beings and we have a feminine part and also a masculine part, depend regardless of your gender, meaning we have a feminine energy, 
within us. Sometimes it is the emotions, it is all of that. And we also have a masculine energy, which is also normal. You can see it has the yin and the yang. And when those energies are not in balance, your system, your psyche will find a way to release them. Mm. If the feminine energy feels repressed, if the emotions are repressed, you know, the body will need to find a way to release that because it needs to create that balance and when the feminine within a man is repressed meaning the heart the emotions and this is what we are conditioned to do when we are not okay with feeling what is here sometimes we are gonna express that predictions and for me it was porn for so many of my friends it was smoking for so many others it was just like um you know, had drugs. I saw that uh, um, also here a lot in Montreal. But for me, the vice was porn. And mm. I went through a phase of coming into acceptance with the fact that it is okay to feel as a man as well. It is okay to have emotions. It is okay for me to be present with that too. And it doesn't make me any less of a man. Mm. So that was my journey. But yeah. um, definitely at that in at that time, yeah. porn was my biggest vice. Yeah, yeah. It's come up quite a bit with men. So it's interesting to see how yeah. you processed it and just letting go of whatever that suppression was, that suppressed feminine. So it's, yeah. that's powerful, bro. Thanks for sharing that. What, You're what, welcome. What about the emotion that challenged you most? Anxiety, anger, shame, anger. guilt, anger. Anger. What were you anger. angry towards? Absolutely anger. Oh, I was mostly angry. Um, first, has a, I was a very sensitive boy, meaning I was crying a lot. And I heard too much that you are too soft. You know, you cry too much and stuff like that. And I was also that sensitive rebel. You know, I was a rebel too. So people would tell me you cry too much and I was just like, um, kind of pushed back a little bit and there was a lot of like um, at school sometimes um, people trying to bully me and every time they would try I would just turn into that ball of rage mm. so I would say that um, one way and the also the, the other thing was my father is the most protective man that I've ever seen in my life for his kids and he means well, but he's trying to protect in a way that is extreme. And I understand that we grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't quite safe, mm -hmm. you know, the, the neighborhood that I grew up in. So his, he saw it as his job to make sure that all the kids were safe at home. But that also meant that we couldn't go out for a party with friends. We couldn't go out sometimes for birthdays. You know, imagine when you are quite young and you want to go out to your friend's birthday and sometimes people are talking about the, the, the party, even if it was a daytime thing, you weren't just allowed to go. So I feel like I missed so many experiences because of that mm. when I was younger. Like even for him, riding a bike wasn't safe. I learned how to ride a bike when I was 24. Whoa. Um, like swimming was extremely unsafe, you know, he was like, okay, I only know water in a cup. That was his language. So 
um, those are there. There, I just felt like there were many experiences, childhood experiences that were robbed yeah. from me um, because of um, his desire to keep us safe. And mm-hmm. I understand, but I also need to understand that at the time it was very hurtful, hurtful, yeah. and I needed to come to terms with that. So anger was the emotion that I, I had the hardest time with. Yeah. Did you? So you found you've let that go and found forgiveness for that. Oh, absolutely. That was, that was a huge step of my journey Mm. to basically work through the anger because every time I would feel like somebody wanted to control me just a tiny bit, oh, there would be war. Mm. Every time I would feel like somebody was just like trying to impose their will on me because that was, that's what my dad was doing. Mm. You know, he was just like, I just said, this is not happening. Period. You stay home. This is the way it is, you know, mm. um, kind of like very masculine uh, kind of parenting. So I had to work through that anger and really come to terms with that and also validate the anger, but also validate. It's really interesting to validate the part of you that felt the anger because who we are today is we are a spectrum of perspectives, you know, has when we are here, like I am 31 today, but I'm still carrying within me the perspective of the nine-year-old that I used to be, the, the perspective of the five-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 12 and plus. And if there is one of the perspectives here that you reject, you cannot feel empowered because I see power as feeling whole, mm-hmm. like really feeling wholeness. And wholeness means acceptance of all of those parts of you. You cannot feel whole if you are rejecting any part of you. Mm-hmm. There's no wholeness there, there's divide, you know? So I had to make peace with the anger because it also meant making peace with that version of me that was feeling anger, that was feeling that it was unfair, that was feeling that, you know, he was just taking that beautiful opportunity to enjoy my childhood and then forgiveness was possible with him. Mm, that's powerful, brother. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Whose love did you crave most? Was it your father's or was it your mother's? And who did you have to be to get it? Mm. Oh, definitely I craved most my um, mom's love. Mm. It wasn't my dad. My dad was there. He was very present and mm. um, definitely loving. Mm. And... Um, Sometimes he was just a tiny bit too protective and to give him a break, we needed to, you know, not ask too much and stuff like that. But he was, uh, he is still a very loving man. And I know that he did what he thought was his very best. Mm. But my mom, because of the challenges that she went through herself, she was very, um, sometimes emotionally unavailable. You know, she was loving in her own way, very present there, but just like there was some level of connection that wasn't possible. You know, and sometimes the best you could do was just being in her presence without pushing it too much. You know, mm-hmm. it was just there, being in her presence without pushing it too much. Mm-hmm. And that is how um, she felt. I mean, that is how I at least... I would feel the love from her, just wow. being good, being around and um, doing our best not to upset her too mm. much. 
you've, have you yeah. come to realize have you come to realize that the your parents were literally just acting from their own experiences like did you sort of have compassion and empathy for how they were absolutely the compassion and empathy fully became possible when i had compassion and empathy for the version of me that was living the experience mm. you know because i feel like the, in order to have compassion for them there needs to be a bridge of compassion and that bridge is the version of you that went through the the experience mm. and at the moment especially being a parent as well i can absolutely understand what they went through mm, totally that's beautiful man it's like i think another one like a really important thing for people to understand is that everyone is just acting their experiences and your parents especially though i mean i mean especially in the western world i mean just in the whole world we're all uh acting our parents are acting as if they're still children from the war and so it's so very much like safety security right which happened with you it was like safety security safety security but now we've got yeah. that and we've got the internet yeah. so it's so yeah. different hey and it's just like coming to terms with it as a different world is it would you agree with that i definitely agree with that you know i i agree with the fact that the um the background is absolutely different the context is absolutely different mm. you know and um we are invited to basically take it further that they could ever do in their times mm. and that's something that i hold in my heart very dearly that's powerful bro and how are you how is your relationship with your mom and father now right now oh actually when we had um when i decided to drop out of the university i didn't tell them first i just dropped out and we went literally through a period of two and a half years without even speaking Whoa. they felt betrayed a lot and i understand why they felt betrayed because i was i told them that i was coming here to do this phd and then at some point i was like eh, that's not it i don't want it anymore and you know especially the mindset that they have which is just like get the degree get the good the, get the job you know secure a good job and then take care of your family um i broke that and they saw it has betrayal so we had we went through a long time of just like reconnecting it took mm -hmm. a long time to basically let go of a lot of hurt on both mm -hmm. sides and right now the relationship is much better like we can connect to at levels that were never possible before mm. are they still in cameroon oh yes they are still there have they come to visit Oh, not lately. They don't like they 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 really don't like the um, the Western world. They would rather that I come there as much as I can. And um, but um, we are basically working on getting married, so um, they would like to be here for that. That's beautiful, brother. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Talk to me, Xavier, about the lowest point in your life and was suicide oh, the, option. I. The lowest point in my life was definitely in 2015. In 2015, we went through, I went through, because when I came to Canada first, I was under scholarship, a full scholarship. I didn't need to worry about money. I didn't need to worry about, you know, paying bills and stuff. I was receiving free money from, for the university. I was basically paid to study. That was my reality. And then I was like, no, nah, this is not what I want to do with my life. And then I dropped out. What happened is 
at that time, I reached the harsh reality. Not only I was going through a deep depression at the time, because I felt the rejection of my family and I was alone, you know, here. Um, I felt the rejection there. I was navigating all of that. I had to find a job to, you know, to provide for myself. And I came to a point where I was nearly homeless at some point, you know. Um, I was basically homeless for several weeks. Um, and at that time, I literally pondered what is the point of being here? Like, what is really the point of being here after all? What was the point of all those years of studying? You know, I was seeing, I was being, um, I'm the second in a family of six. So I, I was seen by my younger siblings as a role model. And I just disappointed everybody, all of them, you know. So I was, I was seen as that guy in the family that had the scholarship um, from that big university. Um, and then I screwed it all up. Mm. And I definitely pondered it. And there is something that happened when I was pondering, what is the point of being here? And I was like, there is no point. And then there was a thought that came to me that was like, if there is no point, what point do I want to give it? If none of that mattered, what is the new point? What is the new thing? What is the new purpose that I would want to give to this whole thing that would make it worth it? And then I was, that was a decision moment for myself. It was just like, I don't care how messy things are going to get. Because at the time I was like, I didn't have a place for myself. You know, I basic, I barely had like, I don't think I even had like $50 to my name at that time. Mm. I was like, fuck all of that. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm just going to figure out that voice that is willing to come out of me. And I said, my point is going to be to help as many people as I can out there. And that's the point that I gave it. And that's what is motivating to this day what I'm doing. Mm, that's beautiful, brother. I love it, man. Very powerful. What, so what about suicide? You never really had a thought of that? Like that, well, that in my, in, I, it did, it did. And just like I told you that moment when it came, I feel like I'm living many, I, I've, I've changed purposes in the same lifetime. I don't know if it makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had that breakdown moment where I was literally walking in Montreal by myself, having no place to go not knowing what I was meant to do here. Yeah. And I was pondering that and I was just sitting down. And I don't think I ever had it within me to just like yeah. take my life, yeah. but I needed something to keep going. Yeah. I just needed something to keep going the next day. And that's when you ask that and question, like what point do I want to give it? Like what point do I want to give it? Mm -hmm. If I lost it all, if I definitely lost it all, but I'm still here, I'm still in my body. If I just screwed it all up from now on, what new point I want to give it? Mm. What new kind of purpose I want to give it? Mm. And that's it. Yeah. The next day I just started going from restaurant to restaurant to restaurant. I was like, I know how to work. Period. You know, find me, a, if you have a spot, find me a, a spot here. I'm going to work. And I started in a restaurant. There was a man that decided to hire me. I worked, I began to work as a dishwasher there. 
you know i went from somebody that was in a phd program to beginning in the restaurant as a dishwasher it's a lot of that humility yeah yeah ah, and that's what i did wow, that's bro. that was the beginning point again and so then when did you start figuring out like when did you start figuring out like okay well, what is it that i want to do how long after that that was like it was a journey um the the owner of the restaurant who hired me i want to say he is definitely a guardian angel for me because the guy just man the guy just helped me um more than anybody ever helped me before and at that time i was you know i was a guy that was training a lot i want um i was a lot into fitness and i told him that i had that goal of like having my own gym you know i told him that I, that was one of my dreams and this is what i began to do i thought i was meant to help people with their nutrition and their fitness so i began to you know have my own training um certification and all of that you know and beginning to help people with their nutrition their health and then at some point he basically helped us get a place to start our own gym mm. you know and this is how it started and when we started there what i found out for myself is that of course i was helping people but it just felt like i was putting band-aids on them mm. you know it felt like i wasn't <laughs> helping them change at the deepest level and i felt like there was something missing here and then again i was just like afraid i was like okay man first you started the phd you let that go now you start the gym and you want to tell me again that this is not it you want to let that go you can't allow yourself to fail here mm -hmm. and this is exactly what happened in 2018 we closed the gym and i was like i'm gonna go all in in this um you know uh transformational coaching i'm really gonna go all in on that that was a shift for me that's the moment where i decided to really go all in into transformational coaching Ah, oh, that's fucking awesome, brother. How is your, how is your, um, I just want to ask this thought pop into my mind. How do you feel that your PhD or your pursuit for your PhD in economics has helped you today? Um, with what you're doing now? With what I'm doing now, work ethics. Mm. Work ethics. Um, I can definitely see that because the 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 phd is such an economics is such a demand demanding program in terms of hours that you put into the work so i could i was able to put so many hours in the work then and to so many degrees what i do right now feels like i am still playing around mm -hmm. because i know how much workload i can put into something <laughs> right that's awesome. So sometimes I have to be mindful of that because I sometimes I stretch it a little too much. Get right into it. I think absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that the work ethic and being able to get into the dirty part of the work and roll my sleeves and just like get into the work. Mm -hmm. I totally feel like and um sometimes it doesn't help a lot, but my analytical mind um but it is a part of me that I also need to own and to accept and to work sure. with in the business part of things. Um, it is very useful. For sure, bro. For sure. Yeah. 
what, what was the significant moment of awakening for you? I know you just talked about that low point. Like, was there a significant moment of awakening? Was that it? Or was there something else that came through? Which is like, fuck. There, there were so many, there were so many uh, moments. The first one was like, when I decided, like, I knew that I wanted to quit before I quit. I knew a year, a year before mm. that this wasn't it. I knew. So that was the first wake up call. The second wake up call was actually when I decided, okay, I'm not going to try anything because I had many occasions to just go back to the university. Yeah. There was a decision moment where I was like, I'm not going to try anything to go back. This is it. That was like, okay, shit got you, just got real. Mm. That moment was like, okay, this is real now. Mm. What do you do? And now there is another one that is very powerful. It's when in 2018, I heard that we are pregnant with our first boy. Mm. And then I was like, okay, brother, you're going to stop all the playing around that you've been doing. Mm. Now it's time to go all in. Now it's mm. time to put it all in because I want to be the example of a man in purpose for these kids. This is what I want to be for them. And also for myself, of course, but they added to that motivation. I want to be the example of the man in full purpose so that they can see that this is available for them as well, whatever their purpose is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So that was the other, that was the fire under my ass. That was like, okay, get, let's get to work mm -hmm. seriously for good. Let's just do it. Mm, incredible, man. What about your healing modality? What was the greatest healing modality that's helped you? I know you've already talked about meditation. Is there, is there anything else mm -hmm. that's helped you on your conscious journey? Oh, on my conscious journey, beginning to work with trauma mm. was a huge shift in what I do with people. Because usually we want to change at the level of the mind only. But if we dismiss what was the root cause, because the way I see limiting beliefs, I see them as trauma responses. Mm -hmm. I see them as lines of unsafety. Mm -hmm. Like beyond this line, I, it feels unsafe. And when you are able to address the situation or whatever made you create that limiting belief to begin with, you know, create that perception that beyond this point, I will be unsafe, mm -hmm. then huge change is available. Mm -hmm. So right now I do a lot of trauma work and help people just like, and trauma doesn't need to be like the, the harsh traumas. It doesn't need to be necessarily um, abuse, sexual abuse, molestation and stuff like that. You know, that is like, of course, first category trauma. Now, there is always second level trauma that often happens. And sometimes it is just like the emotional neglect, you know, meaning you got your, the, the appreciation that was never, never given mm. or the, the hug that was never offered or uh, the celebration that was never said, the I love you that was missing, mm -hmm. or sometimes your reality was denied. Let's say you just came up to your father with this great idea. I want to do this. 
what do you think about this mm. and he just says you are you're crazy to think that this is even possible yeah. and this is hurtful for kids right now this can also be identified as a traumatic situation mm. not in a way that would be the same thing as a first degree trauma Yeah. but also has something that creates a fracture within yourself. Yeah. And to me, you cannot fully allow yourself to manifest something that is beautiful, powerful, if deep down within you are still holding an emotion that is in powerful opposition to the energy of what you want to bring into your life. Because you, we are invited to see the whole body like a magnet, And if part of the magnet is anchored in shame because of something that happened, because of somebody that bullied you in high school and you're still holding that energy of shame or because your mom and your, all your dad said something that just it stayed there for all your life, allowing yourself to manifest something that is really joyful, passionate, beautiful, sometimes it is not, um, you know, allowed. Mm. So... Definitely trauma work did the greatest shift in the transformation that I help people yeah. uh, have. Was that shadow work in child work? I, oh, I do a lot of shadow work as well. Yeah. Like a huge amount of shadow work that help people, that also helps people um, claim their healing mm. and also claim the parts of themselves that they just usually abandon because it, it is not accepted Mm -hmm. by society parents you know family or whatever it is yeah so shadow work is also a huge part of the work that i do mm -hmm. beautiful bro i love shadow work it's profound yeah. for people listening now how do you like what's a good thing to realize that you might have to do shadow work triggers absolutely the way your sh your shadows want to communicate with you is triggers mm. So my invitation is literally to become aware of all the people, all the places, all the behaviors, all make you just run into an automatic response. Because in all those things, there is a huge opportunity to claim more of your wholeness. There is a huge opportunity to claim more of, you know, who you are. So triggers are definitely an open door to your subconscious yeah i love it man amen what about your friend group xavier how we've got a couple of questions left what what happened in your in your friend group i mean obviously you've gone from cameroon to montreal not probably not knowing anyone how has your friend group changed as you've changed definitely there are i lost so many friends in my journey mm. so many <laughs> um uh <laughs> First, when I decided to come to Canada, there are so many people that were like, um, that felt left behind, mm -hmm. you know, and friendships, even uh, romantic relationships. Um, and also at the university, there was a group of friends that we were just hanging out together. And so many of them just felt betrayed by my journey or by the choices that I made, mm -hmm. you know, because in so many of the circles that I was in to just like I was telling you, I was helping so many people with the sometimes helping them with the challenges that we had at school or I could understand 
maths a lot or statistics a lot and they would need help so yeah i was i was seen as a lot of my friends has at least in the university circle has somebody to go to and they felt let down they felt abandoned they just felt there was a lot of disappointment mm. just a very very few of them um even try to understand because for them it was just a stupid decision um so i had to let go of many of them um and now right now where i am i would say my circle of friends is extremely small like very small but it's just like those people that you feel that you can really allow yourself to be who you are in the presence of like mm-hmm. talking about all the spiritual stuff all of what i'm going through the the circle of true honest friends right now is very small and most of them i made them through my coaching training and um because you know those are usually people that i share common interest with mm. and that have been through similar journeys mm. so most of them i made them through that but i have to say the friends that i had back then right now they are just silent observers they are seeing what i'm doing on social but they are just now in the back and just watching mm. yeah yeah it's so interesting it's cool that you can are, are you like I, i assume this but I, i should ask it are you fully accepting of where you are with your friend group now oh absolutely mm. and i told i had conversations with many of them like it doesn't need to like we don't need to be what we used to be mm-hmm. like i have shifted and so many tried so many tried and um i i'm at a place where i will not hold back on who i have become yeah. you know and there are just some things that do not attract me anymore some conversations that i'm not interested in anymore talking about soccer is not something that i do anymore you know mm. i'm not passionate about that anymore mm. so um a lot of them just began to accept it some of them got frustrated but i am just in a place where i am willing to surrender this is who i am right now mm-hmm. and i am attracting so many more people that match yeah. who have become right now yeah it's like that resonance hey does it attract to your values based off what you like and what you're feeling Absol- absolutely cool man absolutely so, what part of this conscious journey we got two questions left what part of this conscious journey are you most grateful for Oh, definitely the dark night of the soul. Mm. Definitely w- well, if I'm going to be accurate, I'm going to call it the dark night of the ego. So, <laughs> I am yeah, I am mostly grateful for that part. It was really challenging and um mm. at the same time it made me discover how much I could rely on myself. Mm. It made me discover that I will, if I needed to humble myself I would be able to do it if I needed to start all over again which is what I did so many times I feel like I so many times I feel like I started all over again from ground zero mm-hmm. and what it showed me is I have that within me mm-hmm. I have that within me to go back to that level where it feels like ground zero again mm-hmm. and build it back up and build it back up again Mm, beautiful so that's what i'm the most grateful for 
Mm-hmm. It's been a common answer is the pain, the challenge. Yeah. It's been the common answer amongst Yeah. People. What yeah. about, um, this is a good one. This is the, the question you would give your old, or the tip that you would give your old self. What's, what is that one tip that you would give your younger self who's just starting this journey? Feel it. That's it. Feel it. Mm. Feel it. Don't push back. Feel it. Let it suck. You know, let it rip your heart open. Let's feel it mm. and also validate it. Mm. Feel it, all of it. Feel the anger. Let it be okay. Validate it all the way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. It makes you human. Accept it. It's yes. part of you too. It's beautiful, brother. It's beautiful. Yeah. We are just human living. We're here living a human experience. You got to feel it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Amazing. Man. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me, brother and for your time i know it's late over there and you've got a young family so i really appreciate you taking the time to share your story to help others out now it's my ultimate pleasure man thank you so much for having me here Mm, you're welcome brother and thank you to everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day to grow into your best self and step into this conscious path much love everyone and until next time take care And just be I got love in my eyes bro I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.